I'm not really amused. Uh, it is 10 o'clock at night and it's Wednesday night. This is literally just a few hours before this podcast is due to be uploaded. And instead of settling down in bed with a good book, I am sitting in front of a microphone, yammering away, recording parts of this podcast at this late, late, late moment. Why? Because I'm disorganized. You probably say not so, but here's what, here's why I am frantically trying to get the last pieces of this podcast together to upload tonight. I have a, a good, a good podcast planned. We're going to be talking about what I call small ball video. It's a very exciting topic. It's how we use video on a much more intimate level than our normal broadcast tools for you. We use it for interpersonal communications. It's a good podcast. It's great for content creators. It's great for the gray zone. But here's my problem is I have been following maybe a little bit too much. The story that's been breaking around the Reddit group of wall street bets and the GameStop uh, short position, how the stock was being manipulated and pushed up and down and wall street investors and a battle between the little guy and the big guy. And in the middle of it comes this app, Robinhood. And in the end of the day, millions of dollars are made, millions of dollars are lost, and a lot of people are hurt, and reputations are being destroyed. And I see so many similarities with what's happening with this story, with other crucial events that are happening, and it's all happening in our space. It's all happening in our backyard. It's all happening in the social media channels. And even though it doesn't help us in business, it doesn't help us build our business, I think it is something that we have to talk about. So here is my plan. In just a few moments, you'll hear the podcast as I recorded it with the main content all in place, including a very exciting announcement for next week. Stick around to the end of that as we talk about online video and we talk about small ball video, recording video that you use for interpersonal communications. And then once we're through that, I will take a few moments and we will, I will really editorialize a little bit on my thoughts on what's happening to our social platforms and how this GameStop story really ties back into a few weeks ago, the assault on the Capitol and how there's so many similarities in the, in the, in the seeds that have sown these events happening in our, both our online world and now in the real world as well. So that's why I am still sitting here recording. Hopefully now I can package this all up and then get to bed before it's too late. Stick around. Let's get going. We tend to think of video in a rather grand sense, I believe. We look at it as a mass distribution medium. It is the most effective communication platform we have. So we think of mass communication when we think of video. We think of television. We think of sporting events. We think of live television events. We think of recorded. Even if we look at the internet, we think of YouTube with its millions and millions of viewers. And we think of videos that have thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of views. We don't typically look at video as a peer-to-peer -peer or one-to-one -one communication platform. Well, I, I will put a caveat there. Increasingly through things like video conferencing, because of primarily because of the COVID pandemic, we have started to do a lot more video conferencing and we are getting certainly more comfortable with the idea of FaceTime or Zoom type videos. 
But I don't think most of us look at video as a replacement, say, for email, for interpersonal communications, uh, and for that kind of one-to-one nurturing type communications. But the bottom line is access to video that we now have through our smartphones, through our desktop computers, and the fact that we've all got microphones and webcams built in, access to video is at a greater level than it's ever been. And more people are starting to discover the incredible intimate power of video for one-on-one communications. It is such a powerful tool for us to send a personal video to an individual instead of sending an email. Lots of reasons for it. Lots of ways to do it. We're going to be exploring that small ball video today on Gray Matters. Steve Dotto here. How the heck are you doing this fine day? Welcome to Gray Matters, the podcast for baby boomers and Gen X who are interested in online business. We are interested in finding our place in the digital age. In this podcast, you'll learn about online marketing, community building, social networking, and more, all from our perspective. The world's changing. Our prospects are changing. The job market is not interested in us anymore, and many of us face a reluctant retirement, and that is not cool. We need to take our years of experience and put it to work for us, a side hustle or online business of our own. We need to develop mad skills to adapt and evolve in order to thrive in this digital age. I can help. I want to help. And this podcast will help. It wasn't that long ago that I was struggling to transition from my former career in traditional broadcasting into online business. There were lots of bumps and bruises along the way, but I'm here to say it is a fantastic and worthwhile journey. I am glad you found us. We have lots of changes that come in here on the podcast. I am just kind of all sitting in all a Twitter, not like on Twitter, but sitting a Twitter as this is probably going to be the last solo podcast that I do for gray matters. I have been looking for and seeking a partner in crime, a producer for my podcast who I can bring on air, talk about our ideas, help me craft the content and help me with the publishing and the growth of this podcast. And I believe we have found a successful candidate. Now this is not an idle, uh, an idle dream of mine to find this person. I have been looking for the better part of two years for the right person. I am incredibly picky as far as this goes, no pressure to the winning candidate, but next week on our podcast, we are going to be test driving our relationship for the first time. So I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm just all ready to go. I just want to talk to somebody else rather than just you. Not that I don't want to talk to you anymore as one-on-one, but there's so much more dynamics and so much more energy that can be had by having a conversation. So make sure that you download next week's episode when we start our new venture or our new, uh, the kind of the new format that we'll be doing here on gray matters. Now, speaking of the value of conversation. Today, I want to talk about small ball video. And by that, I mean taking advantage of the technology and the tools that we have in place. Our smartphones, uh, webcams on our computers and notebooks, uh, decent quality microphones that many of us now have access to. And using those tools to communicate with, uh, with whoever we, have, as we happen to be communicating with via video instead of by email. And I am amazed 
with how engaging that becomes. Let's think about the nature of how we communicate now, of the different tools. Email, of course, is still our primary communication platform. It's the one that we own. It's the one that we use the most. It is still the most valuable tool in our arsenal. But increasingly, or often, we use video and we don't really pay attention to the intimate nature of the conversation. We don't necessarily always honor the recipient of the email one-on-one the way we could. We have autoresponders. We have, we put people into email sequences. We have templates that we use within the, within our email programs that help us craft paragraphs to quickly respond to people without actually thinking about everything that we're saying. And it shows people, when they read an email, they often wonder whether it comes directly from a person or a bot has created that email coming back to them. So the engagement value, how valuable that email is to building the relationship will vacillate. If it's obviously a very personal email that the, that the sender has crafted themselves, the recipient probably feels a lot more drawn to that particular communication. But if there's any sense whatsoever that it could have been bought created, I think it creates a bit of a barrier and a bit of a distance and creates a bit of a sterile environment for our communication. That's a, that's a real challenge that we have. I faced this challenge with several different projects that we were working on. And, and the one that I'm going to tell you about to start is when we started doing Patreon and we started to invite people to support us uh, at the Dottotech channel. And I wanted to find a way to thank them personally, but there was often, you know, a fairly large number of people that were signing up and they were signing up at all different hours. So the obvious thing to do was to create an email autoresponder sequence, thanking them for signing up for us and then giving them access to all of the different perks that we include. That's the obvious way to do things. And there's nothing wrong with that way, except for one thing. It's a bit sterile. People were stepping up to the plate and supporting us. Some of them for just a dollar or two a month, others for $10 a month or even more. But they, it was a little bit sterile for us to just send a form email to thank them. And it was a lot of work for me to craft individual emails. It would just be too much work to write each person individually. So I was looking for a solution and along came a company called Bonjuro. Now Bonjuro is a video email solution. It's an app that runs on your smartphone that allows you to quickly create personal emails and it sends the email as a video to the recipient. Now it's designed at almost like an autoresponder email application. Uh, we actually have it set up with some macros and some, in some integrations included. So as soon as somebody signs up on Patreon, this is what happens now. As soon as someone signs up for us to support us on Patreon, a the Patreon sends a message to, uh, Bonjuro saying X, Y, Z person has just supported us in Patreon. And Bonjuro then creates a task for me. It's a to-do list that it creates. And I'm actually notified on my phone that this person has just created a, uh, has just supported us on Patreon. And the message comes to me inside the Bonjuro app on my smartphone. And when I tap on the message, the Bonjuro app launches and brings me into a video composition screen. It's a camera and I tap on a button and I can record a message to that person instantly. Now here's where the beauty happens. As soon as I finished recording that message, it then takes a template of text that we've included, uh, which is all of the links that people will get in order to access all of their perks. So there's still the autoresponder 
side of it, which is dealing with all of the different administrative details, which need to be dealt with. That's all included. And as soon as I hit send, those two packages are married, the video and the text package, which includes all of the links they need. It's combined together into an email and it's sent to the person with a custom subject header, in, which is a, you know a personal message from Steve Dotto is what it says. The video email app Bonjoro is definitely a marketing app. It's got a few competitors. Probably the most popular is one called BombBomb. They are apps which really work very much the same way as our email autoresponders work, and they are designed to nurture relationships for customers, to bring people along through the sales funnel. But that's only one way of using small ball video for traditional or for funnel type marketing applications. Small ball video, personal video works in a lot of other ways. For me, other than for the marketing aspect of using a tool like Banjuro, just the simple fact that I have a simple app called Loom installed on my computer, which will allow me to quickly and easily create a quick screencast recording where I can record what's happening on the screen and my voice. And if I want my video, a video, a little inserted video of my face as well. It is terrific when you're working with subcontractors or team members, explaining ideas and explaining concepts. I find that I am a more effective communicator by voice and video than I am through writing. It takes me more time to craft and write an email than it does for me to hit record and explain exactly what the issue is for the person. So it is a, it is a real productivity benefit for me doing it this way, recording a video and sending that as an embed in an email, as opposed to writing an email. Now, the way that these tools, Vidyard is one, Loom is another, the way that these tools work is they are either browser-based or operating system-based, where you hit record and it records what's on your screen, records your audio and records a video if you have a camera hooked up. And then it saves that recording to the cloud. It saves it on the web. And it gives you a link, which you can embed in an email. And this is an important part. One of the challenges with a tool like Bonjoro, which actually embeds the video directly in the, in the player. So that when you receive the email, the video plays in the email is there is a bit of a deliverability problem. Uh, the different email services do not like delivering emails with executables, with things that are embedded in them that that play things like audio files or video files. They're happy to share a link, which takes you to a website, which plays the video, but they're not happy to play the video right inside of the body of the email. Now, of course, there's tremendous convenience playing the video in the body of the email. Plus we can do a lot of reporting of who's opened it, how much they've watched, how many times they've watched it. We can get a lot of analytics from it if we do it that way. But it's a lot, kind of, it's a smoother transition. If we just share a link to a video that's hosted in the cloud, we can still get a lot of really good analytics. We can know who watched it and when they watched it. We can get that kind of feedback and they can comment back or they can reply back in email. But for clarity of communication, these sorts of explainer videos where you just quickly record a video and send it to somebody which is kind of process and project-based, I find that to be a tremendous productivity tool. So once again, the efficiency of creating an email quickly and effortlessly. Now, 
Typically speaking, you aren't going to edit these videos. It's just gonna be cheap, quick, dirty records uh, where you hit the record button, any mistakes that you make, you just kind of stumble past and get on with. You don't clean it up in any way. You just record it, get the communication across and send it. Now we can also use this in areas like tech support. If somebody's asking a question, they're having trouble logging into something or they're having trouble with a different, some different aspect of a service that you offer. You can record a very quick screen capture of the situation and then send it back to them. And that really, uh, again, helps clarify the situations. Or you can ask them to send you a screencast recording. Now, not as many people are as comfortable with the tools, so they might not have the technical capability in order to send it. But increasingly, I think we're seeing the penetration of tools like Loom and Vidyard get to the point that more people are going to be comfortable doing that. If we take that and take it to the next level, which is doing things like explaining different repeating processes. Again, personal video or small ball video works exceptionally well when you are onboarding a new employee or onboarding a new virtual assistant. You can just basically start a recording session using a, one of these tools, using Vidyard or Loom, and you can record the work that you do and narrate the process that you go through. Let's say that I'm uploading a YouTube video, that I'm doing all of the treatment on a YouTube video. Well, I can just start the video playing when I'm in the creator studio and I'm working on the title and I'm working on the tags and I'm setting all of the different settings that we put as far as our advertising preferences, etc. As I do each of those things, I can just be narrating exactly what I'm doing. And then if we have somebody else within our team whose responsibility it's going to be to upload YouTube videos in the future, they can just watch that video and they can see the entire process. Over time, you can build an entire library of the different systems that you have in place and how you do different things, how you onboard people, how you clean, how you like to clean your email list, how you like to organize your files, little short tutorial videos that can all be stored in some sort of a knowledge base. Once again, an incredibly valuable and efficient use of small ball video. These videos never going to be shared with the public, never going to be broadcast on YouTube, not going to have thousands of views, but the three, four, five, or 15 people who do view it find incredible value in it. And it has turned out to be a great investment of time in the person who created the video because they created consistency and clarity by creating a little small ball video that could be used for all of these different processes. Did you know that we host a free live training almost every week? This is a fact. Most weeks we host a free tutorial webinar covering productivity, content creation, or online marketing. It is called Webinar Wednesday, and you can find out this week's webinar by visiting dototech.com slash webinar Wednesday. It is the best way for you to up your skills to the next level for free. Join us. Links are in the description or just visit dototech.com slash webinar Wednesday. If I'm perfectly honest with you, I'm feeling a little bit uneasy about venturing into this topic, just as I was a few weeks ago when I decided to spend some time and talk about the impact that the deplatforming of Donald Trump would have on all social platforms and how it could affect our business downstream, those of us in the online marketing and content marketing game. The effects of the GameStop, Robinhood, Reddit, Wall Street story 
might be very long reaching. And here's here's humor me as I kind of take you through what I'm seeing happening because I'm not sure I'm on base with this, but the little voice in the back of my head keeps telling me this is the beginning of a larger problem, which we are just going to see manifest itself over and over again over the next few years. And let's kind of head in the Wayback Machine and look not necessarily at the GameStop story right now, but instead let's look at what happened a few weeks ago with the raid on the Capitol and the evolution of the QAnon conspiracy sites and how people have been binding themselves to different conspiracy theories, truly believing in them, uh, finding a community that supports them as they work their way through the content, as they dive deeper and deeper into the rabbit holes that are created, finding affirmation and even more lurid details as they go along to the point that they are not just posting and and commenting and calling talk radio to complain about the different, these different organizations that are trying to keep us down, but actually getting on an airplane, flying to Washington, and then marching and in occupying the Capitol. It is, it, it has gone beyond curiosity. It has gone well beyond what I consider to be any safety net. And there's probably nothing that can put the brakes on it. We probably are facing a runaway train and it's not just QAnon and it's not just based on, it's not just that narrative, but we see individuals now finding common causes in online communities that simmer beneath the surface and then explode into reality. And while the assault on the Capitol is a obvious tangible example of that, I see what's happened with GameStop as being very much the same thing. It, it, it's, it's just different symptoms from the same disease. And this disease is mistrust. This disease is manipulation. This disease is lack of education and lack of critical thinking. This disease is lack of compassion. There are so many aspects that concern me that I, I don't know where we turn to. I don't know where we turn to slow it down or to get a handle on it. Let's take a look, a little bit closer look at what's happened with GameStop. And I'm sure you've followed the story. It's been a fascinating story. If it, It's going to make an awesome movie if they ever make a movie from it. And there has been, it's almost like different chapters that we've seen play out over just this last week. It's gone from hurrah for the little guy as all of these all of these small retail investors in a Reddit forum started to get excited about the possibility of getting back at the man. Maybe I'll just pause for a moment and and just give my perspective or the the uh, the, the rough outline of the story in case you in case you hadn't followed it. For several months now, GameStop, which is a retail chain, it's a publicly traded retail chain that sells that sells gaming consoles and game systems in 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 storefronts, has been been circled by the Wall Street vultures. They recognize that their business model is flawed. They probably don't have much of a future, and they are doing what Wall Street does well. They were looking to pick everything they can from the carcass before it's discarded onto the scrap heap of history. 
And so the so the the different funds on Wall Street were shorting this stock. They were basically betting on the fact that it would continue to fall. They were selling stock, buying stock, and selling stock at a higher price with the thought that they will be able to. They were borrowing it basically with the thought that they can then purchase the stock at a cheaper price downstream, and they would make profit from it. They're just basically profiteers. And I don't know how you feel about people who make money in the margins like this, but I don't think that they're the. They don't represent the best of us. They don't represent the best of society. So this is happening. And the the group on Reddit of fairly younger investors, they look for kind of more radical different purchases to have online. They caught wind of this. They saw it happening. For some reason, they embraced the stock and decided that they were going to do something about that. So when they recognized that the major players were shorting the stock, uh, these individual retailers, retail investors, that's just like you and I, just regular folk, started to purchase the stock. And when enough pressure happens, when there's enough demand to buy the stock, what happens to a stock? It starts to go up, much to the chagrin of the re- of the of the establishment because they had shorted the stock on mass. And so what happened instead of you know purchasing the stock at or selling the stock that at ten dollars, being able to buy it back at six dollars and making a four dollar profit. Suddenly, over the course of a few days, it all got out of their control. And the, the, the small-time players from Reddit had bid the price of the stock up to astronomical levels. And some of the major players ended up losing not millions, but billions of dollars. And their very solvency was put at risk. That was chapter one. Well, this is when the the small little rebel can-dos really put it to the man. But then it all started to turn on its side as the major investment application that most of these most of these small retail investors used, which is called Robinhood. It's a it's an app which is by its very nature, I think, a very questionable tool. It, it it's wonderful from the fact that it made investment available to everybody, and they don't charge you a commission on when you purchase stock. But they do make their money, and they make their money in a way which I think if we, when we understand it, a lot of us would be very uncomfortable with. But Robinhood, for reasons that are, if you believe them, which I probably do, was they couldn't afford to support all of the purchases that were happening on their app. So they suspended trading on the, 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 just on the, just on the, one, on the one stock, on the GameStop st- stock which caused a, a huge hue and cry, but basically saved the bacon of a lot of the big players on Wall Street because if people weren't able to purchase the stock, the upward pressure on the stock ceased and a downward momentum began and they could kind of get their feet under them, at least the ones that weren't already critically damaged by it. So so it was, it was kind of now the empire strikes back. They were able to, based on the, based on the suspension of this trading, they were able to get back into the game and and seize a measure of control, which of course the establishment has many mechanisms where it can apply control. Now all of a sudden, these small-time investors are suddenly at risk. Not the ones that got in very early, who got the stock at the cheapest, but as they bid the stock price up, a lot of them got in at a price which now the stock over the next few days has plummeted beneath and now they are underwater their investments are underwater and i don't see that it's going to come back because here is the ultimate truth in this particular narrative is at the end of the day 
companies are worth, what companies are worth. And stop is not a great investment. They might not be carrion, but they aren't filet mignon either. And so they are, you know, at any, at their best, on their best day, they are going to be a fraction of the price uh, as far as real value of the, where the stock rose up to. And here's where the, the mob mentality, the group mentality, I'm sure mob, mob mentality is kind of an, almost like an insulting term for this, I believe. But here's where the group, the community came together and they said, look, we're going to hold on to this stock. We're not going to give it up. We're going to hold on to it. And we're going to make sure that it bounces back. And here, because there was one person reinforcing what another person said, and they, they got a, an esprit de corps happening on the, on the, on the, on the site on Reddit is a lot of them have held onto the stock and now the stock is down to not, it's still inflated, but it is coming down and the writing is on the wall. The end of the day, the institutions are not going to be hurt. Individual investors are going to get hurt in this. And that's one lesson. But as I said, there's multiple chapters, there's multiple lessons that are going to come out of this. The thing that concerns me the most is how the pressures of the community First of all, did some good, at least I guess we all, we all like the story of the underdog. So did some good in the fact that it put it to the man, that it had these, uh, that it had Wall Street on the ropes for a very short period of time and caused some serious damage to a few firms. But now it's coming back to roost. And I believe that the, these, these small investors, many of them, this is going to be a blow, which will take them years to recover from. Nobody on Wall Street is going to miss a meal as a result of this or miss a car payment or, heaven forbid, miss a mortgage payment, but others might. As I say, I don't believe that there is a, an answer for this other than the fact that those of us who are educated, those of us who, uh, I sound all highfalutin there, don't, but if you understand what's going on, I believe that in, there's two things that we can do that will help or hurt. Our immediate inclination is to flee from these sites, is to not get in, not in, not weigh in, not talk, not offer advice, because chances are reasonable advice is going to be shot down. You might be ridiculed. You might be even insulted. But along with these gray hairs comes, I hope, a little bit of wisdom. And if we pull back, if we stop engaging, then the good that we can do, the advice that we can offer won't be heard by any. Now, it might not be accepted by a very large percentage of the people in these groups, but it, we will sway a few. And I believe it's our duty to do that, to remain engaged and to do what we can to help sanity to prevail. As I said, I don't really think that we're in a good space right now. Ultimately, there's going to be more of these sorts of stories. But as the next one comes down the pipe, I want you to think back to these other two. I want you to think back to what's happened with QAnon and how people were swayed and moved to do something which previously would be almost unthinkable because they engaged in online forums and they got caught up in a, in a spiral of half-truths, fabrications, and, and hype. And the GameStop story, which people are, were in a, a less nefarious environment, but they still had the same hallmarks. There was still uh, groupthink happening. There was still fabrications. There was still opinion that would be soon accepted as fact. 
And there was certainly lots of people who all would support you in following a path that perhaps was not one of, that was going to be to anyone's long-term benefit. And I thought it was important that we start to think about it in this vein. Gray Matters is a production of Dottotech. There's a lot more to us than just this podcast. Nearly every week, we host a free online training called Webinar Wednesday, but we could not create any of this content without the generous support of our patrons. Dottotech is a community-funded channel, and I want to express my gratitude to those of you who support us each and every month, keeping us on the air. If you value the content we deliver here, please consider supporting us. Visit patreon.com slash dottotech, and we have perks. Most of our members contribute $10 a month, and for that, they receive access to over 150 trainings we've delivered on Webinar Wednesday, as well as discounts on our other premium courses, plus one great perk for this community. Access to Don't Retire, Rewire, a great primer for those of you considering launching an online business of your own. Once again, to all our patrons, we would not be here without you. My thanks to you. And those of you considering joining us, I think it's a great idea. But I have to admit, I am a bit biased. I am glad that you uh, hung around to listen to my opinion on this. And here, here's what I'd love from you is I would love you to write me uh, podcast at dottotech.com. There will be links in the show notes. There will be links in the description or links in the blog post where you're watching this. Uh, but I'd love to hear your opinion and uh, maybe you can provide some clarity uh, and view these, uh, these this situation in a way that perhaps I don't see it. And I'd love you to give me a ray of hope that things are not quite as dire as I am prognosticating at this particular point. Uh, I, I, I hope I'm wrong. I really, really hope I'm wrong that we are that that, that uh, our better angels will eventually win. Let's let's cling to that, shall we? Thanks so much for tuning in. Next week, uh, going to be a big change. You're going to want to, you're going to want to check us out as we start a new era here on Gray Matters. As I am going to be joined for the first time with a real live producer. Oh, Steve's life is about to get better. Till next week, I'm Steve Dotto. Have fun storming a castle. <laughs>